Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi guys, before starting this episode, I just wanted to talk about something that has been on my heart, on my mind for quite some time, and I figured now is as good a time as ever. So as you guys know, I'm extremely online, I'm very much an internet girl, and a product of my environment, right? Um, There are a lot of bad things that can come from the internet, but there are also a lot of wonderful things. If you can find it, you can find yourself a community of like-minded people. And I've been fortunate to do that many, many times over. Um, today, however, I wanted to talk about one person in particular. Um, I met Jellimar online and she's always been so funny. I've always really enjoyed watching her journey through being a mother. Her daughter's so adorable. And, um, she's, you know, had a really rough time for the past few months. Um, so back in December, she was diagnosed with Burkitt's lymphoma, which is a non-Hodgkin's lymphoma that severely compromises your immune system. Obviously not something that anybody wants at any point, but certainly in the age that we live in today, it's like a very, very scary situation. Um, she went through all the chemo and the procedures and had an incredible diagnosis. Um, unfortunately, a few days later, she found out that she was one of that 1% that is going to have to continue treatment, and there is going to be a long and difficult road ahead for her. Um, so with that being said, she does have a GoFundMe. It is to, you know, help with 
her care, help with the future of her daughter. And I've just really felt compelled to talk about this, you guys. So I have dropped a link to her GoFundMe in the episode description for this episode. If you can donate, um, that would be incredible. If you can even share the link on your social media, that would be incredible just to raise visibility and awareness. Um, I've really just like, I've really felt like this is something that I needed to do and I felt um, passionate. So I reached out to Jellamar to make sure that I could do this. And she said, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if there's anything that you guys are able to do, I would really, really great, greatly appreciate it. And um, yeah, let's get on with the show. refreshed and I got God in my heart and in my soul and like I never back mentality never in high school never in college and never now I don't give a what y'all think Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Everyone's Business But Mine with me, Kara Berry. Having a bit of a special episode this Monday as I had a great conversation with none other than Melissa Beck. She is a castmate of real world New Orleans. You know her, you love her, and hopefully you're about to watch the homecoming season that is going to premiere later this week on April 20th. Um, but before that, I just wanted to honestly, like, I, I made a promise to you guys that I would recap Married at First Sight. You guys want to hear just like another reason of how stupid I am? Yeah, here, here we go. So I was like, not feeling really in the mood to recap Married at First Sight this week. I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it. Okay. And so what I decided to do is instead of just getting it over with, I held off and now I'm going to have to recap it now and also on Friday. So congrats. You're a dumbass, Kara, but here we are. I'm going to talk about the latest episode. I feel a little bit bamboozled not gonna lie, because I heard from a lot of people that it was a good episode. And for me, it just like, wasn't giving. So actually, the silver lining is that I chose to do a mini recap for this particular episode, because to me, it wasn't really that great. So here we go. Um, For you married at first sight fans. (sighs) Lindsay, what's wrong with her? Like, I know I should have been asking this question all along. But why is it that it seems like it's turned up a notch. Like now we've been operating at 11, but it seems like this episode, Lindsay was operating at like a 13. Starting off by giving Mark or trying to give Mark a wet willy on the drive there. Like this man has been through enough. Okay. Like why does she not know? It's like she's regressing and I just have a lot of questions. Um, A wet willy to me is one of the top five worst, most annoying things you could do. Like it will actually set me off. (laughs) Like I have no time for it. I'm a 36 year old woman. Okay. If you're a grown ass person sticking your finger in your mouth and trying to put it in my ear, what happens next is anyone's guess. 
and none of my fault because you started that. That's an assault to me. Like, I'm not even going, like, that's so nasty and so gnarly. Like, I would have jumped out of the car right then and there, like, taken my suit seatbelt off and just, like, heave ho. I don't care. I want to go. I don't want to go on this vacation. The episode... All the couples go to Vermont, by the way. They're they're on their final couples trip before the last uh, decision day that they have to make in a couple weeks. And just like hell, just hellfire to begin with. Um, I'm going to go really quickly through the couples, you guys. Really with Mark and Lindsay, just worse, just from worse to worser with them. They were kind of going okay until Mark calls Lindsay hyper. And this sets off a chain of events so alarming and confusing. I really, I don't even really know what happened even now, even now that it's settled in on me. Like, I can't really make sense of it. She loses it. She says that she's tired of being a punching bag, that Mark is always doing this to her. We have not seen evidence of any of this. Um, He simply, again, called her hyper and... (laughs) I'm speechless. Like, I I really honestly don't know what happened. Um, Then they do a sound bath at one point. And she does say that her third eye opened. And in that moment, she felt the presence of her um, deceased father. But that was, you know, like a short lived moment, not only because Mark fell asleep during the sound bath, but also because, you know, those things don't really take that long. Um, She starts feeling like a little bit of regret that Mark wasn't there because he, again, fell asleep. Um, And that was really a lot of their story. Moving on to Steve and Noy. Steve chose violence this whole episode. He was like a dog with a bone. He is really feeling some type of way about Noy and her uh, propensity to uh, subliminally message or at least give the impression that that's what she's doing. She doesn't give a fuck. Okay. Steve keeps trying to bring it up. He's bringing it up on the car right there. Hey, how do you feel about maybe not posting things that make it seem like I'm a douchebag um, on your social media? And she's like, no, I, you keep saying that. And I keep hearing you. I'm just not going to do it. Okay. She doesn't care. Okay. She doesn't care. Um, so he tries to bring it up in the car ride. He tries to bring it up in front of everybody at their first dinner. Anybody want to guess how that went? Not well, not well. She didn't care for it. That noy didn't, didn't like it. Um, that was really it. I mean, at one point they, she begrudgingly, um, cuddles with him in order to, uh, you know, make nice, but I have a feeling that's going to be coming back around because it has every single episode since they got married. Uh, moving on to that demon, Elijah Wan and Katina. Elijah Wan calls Katina his partner for the first time. Now, let me be clear about that. Elijah Wan says that in all of his past relationships, according to him, he's been the leader. And therefore, he didn't have the word for it, but Katina did. She said, it's a partnership. And he agreed, but it really felt more like a, I can't think of the word for what I really want to say. So I'm just going to go with it in this moment and move on. But I have a feeling it's going to come back later. Um, Their little activity for the episode was going to uh, go walk alpacas. Okay. Um, 
what's his face? Elijah Wan was wearing a t-shirt that says, I'm talking with you, not at you. Just like now he's got to make it known to the public that he's really actively trying not to be a misogynist, but it's not working. Um, and then he reveals that he thinks the name of an alpaca is a gazebo. Okay. A gazebo, not gazebo, not even gazebo. Gazebo is not a word for anything. Not even gazebo, gazebo. How did we go from alpaca <laughs> to gazebo? I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Um, at one point, they talk about having children. He just wants to throw another wrench into their relationship. And Katina asks him how he's feeling about decision day. And he's like, you know what? I was thinking that... Um, you want to have kids in two years and you're still in school. When are you graduating? She tells him she'll be graduating in two years. And so he's like, well, I really don't think that you're capable. I don't think that you're able to have children and start your career at the same time. I think that's a really bad idea. I feel like our timelines are really not on the same page with each other. And um, I just don't really think that you're prepared for that. And then he starts talking about how like when his wife has children, he wants her to be further along in his career and he just can't help himself. The little snake, but to say, to put her down in the process. And he talks about how like, you know, my first two years of my career, I worked really, really hard and I put my head down and I got myself out of debt and I did this, that, and the third. And, you know, you have spent five years just, you know, having fun and like, that's okay that's okay. I'm just, you know, it's fine. But it's just like, I did everything perfectly. And now I'm like in a position where I can go on vacation twice a month if I want to. And it's nothing for me. But I just know that you didn't do that because I, you know, you're not prepared for life in the way that I am, because I still look at you as though you're a child, even though I'm married to you. I hate Elijah. <laughs> I don't like this man at all. Run girl, run. There really wasn't a whole lot to talk about with regard to Michael and Jasmina. Jasmina's still not trying to smash. still not interested. Um, they're trying, but we're getting down to the wire at this point. And her needle's not moving at all, okay? She says that in terms of attraction, she's at a 5. And by decision day, she doesn't need to be at a 10, but she needs to be above a 5. And doesn't seem like the needle's even beginning to shake and move in a different direction. Um, they at one point go and have a meeting with a medium so that Michael can connect to all the people that he has um, unfortunately lost. And she does hit on a couple things. And then Miss um, Ma'am takes, uh, she takes some uh, liberties, liberties, if you will. Um, she starts off pretty strong, like I said, and she knew that Michael's difference between his, sibling, the age difference was 13 years. She knew that he had been shot in the chest. She knew a couple of other things. But then, like I said, she starts getting a uh, real footloose and fancy free with it and talking about how um, she can see them having a boat, he and Jasmina, and possibly moving to California and having twins. And um, she had like two different plans for them. I thought she was kind of talking off a of, out of both sides of her mouth. At first she said, if they break up, she will find somebody within a year and a half. But for Michael, it'll take five years. And that when Michael first laid eyes on Jasmina, it was love at first sight. And 
that if they stay together, it'll end up being a good thing. She did say, you know, even Jasmina, if you find somebody in a year and a half, um, you're going to regret that you didn't try to make this marriage with Michael work. Um, so she did say like, you'll both find people in the end, but you could also still stay together. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I never heard that before. Um, but the episode ends with, you guys know, I don't like activities. Okay. I don't need to see a field day. I don't need to see you guys playing volleyball. I don't need you guys um, going to a rage room and smashing, uh, you know, an old uh, TV with the back on it. I don't care. Okay. Um, but I was forced to talk about this because it literally was maybe like a third of the show. The whole last third of the show, they did a bunch of activities. Lindsay has, like I said, she's just gone. She's, even the Lindsay that I've grown to be comfortably uncomfortable by um, is gone. And now we're in a whole whirling dervish of the situation here. Um, She decides to, with every answer, because they at one point do like a couple's game, um, cut Mark's balls off at every turn. She openly suggests that he is a bad lover. He's bad in bed, um, that he's broke, um, that he can't afford to buy her anything, that she's going to be the breadwinner, just all things that were very demeaning and the cackling. I won't, I'll spare you. I mean, it was, they should have issued a warning at the beginning of the show. And at the beginning of every commercial break, it was, demented okay um like i said she's gone i don't know where she is but she's gone i don't know if she's still in boston i don't know what's happening but um everybody she's making it awkward for everybody people are speechless at this point because they don't know why she continues to act like this um wincing there's a lot of wincing happening um she is shoveling down the prosecco like you wouldn't believe and then there comes a question where it is asked, like, who is most likely to start trouble or something like that? Start a fight. Everybody, and I mean everybody, answers Lindsay. She didn't like that, you guys. <laughs> she didn't like that. Didn't love it. And she then goes on a rant about how she doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks about her. They don't, she doesn't care about their opinion because you know what, you guys? She's got God on her side, okay? Um, this ends up with her crying in the bed. And I think there may have been a few more minutes of the episode, but God bless, it cut off for me, the DVR cut off. So I don't know what happened, but I can't imagine, <laughs> I can't imagine that Mark and Lindsay made up. I, I can't imagine that anything got better in the last three minutes. So with that, I will be back with the full recap Friday. And with that, for this episode, you guys will hear the awesome conversation I had with Melissa Beck. You guys enjoy. If you're able to give me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, I would appreciate that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank me for speaking. Love you. Bye. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. 
Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Come on, be my baby tonight. Come on, be my baby tonight. I've seen the way you've treated other thugs you've been with. Come on, be my baby tonight. You got to get that part in there. Guys, it is a very special day here at Everyone's Business But Mine. Um, She's been here before, but we have yet to talk about her actual... Uh, The reason why we all know this woman, um, back to talk about the real world New Orleans homecoming coming out April 20th on Paramount Plus is Melissa Beck. Hello. Hi, Kara. Thank you so much for having me back. I always love coming on to your show. So thank you so much. Thank you. I always make you like we talked about Summer House. We talked about Orange County. Just a lot of, I'm sure, white people that you have no interest in whatsoever. So I... (laughs) that but yeah it's we've not really delved deep into your time as a reality star icon really because i don't know if you see this but like whenever real world at all comes up your name is like top three um every announcement that i saw for this like i'm not even gassing you up this is 100 percent true everybody was like <laughs> melissa I, melissa i can't wait to see her like they're so excited for you how does it feel to be like back in the fold kind of she said top three and not two or three. Um, <laughs> you know what? It's been, I I spoke to my astrologist before coming onto the show and making that decision to go ahead and move forward and do the homecoming. So I came into this with my mind right. Um, you know me. I've been hunkered down many, many years, decades at a time. Yeah. So if I was going to come back and do the show, I said, I got to go in there whole. I got to go in there ready and prepared and present and, you know, be as authentic as I could, because you also feel like 
you got to pay respect to the original program, to the original reason why people rock with you. So um, it's been really, I mean, it's been really exciting. I'm not going to say I'm not nervous. I'm nervous because I haven't seen anything yet. But um, so far, I feel kind of good about it. I do. That's good. That's good. So you were season nine. And were you thinking, like, I was going to have some time before they made the call to your season? You were going to have, like, but they really, like, went from two to you guys. You know what? That's so great that you bring that up because I watched, uh, I devoured the Homecoming New York. And I was like, oh, snap, they're really doing this. And in my mind, they were going to go in order. So I was like, oh. Right. I can do some crunches and squats and have this ready by the time I'm 65, not even tripping. Right. But then I started to think about it and I was like, hold on. In order for them to really do the show, you know, in the real world um, bubble of, you know, 200 or so people that gossip uh, interpersonally on a level, mm-hmm. it was all seven cast members would have to agree to go on. So I was like, I don't know how they're going to do that because everybody that comes out of this show handles it a different way. And there are some people that went on to that show and they have just disappeared off into the ether. There are other people that went on to that show and have been able to, uh, parlay and become, uh, you know, household names on their own where, you know, Jamie Chung walks a red carpet and nobody asks her anything about real world. You know, there is, is a person who is like super famous. Um, so, you know, everybody's different and, uh, I feel like I did think that there was going to be some time, but when they called me and said New Orleans was chosen, I my initial first response definitely was, well, who said no? Because you got to be messing with me right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're, let's go back to like the beginning. You're like a fresh 20-something. What was your, like, because the game is so different now. Like people go on a show and they have like their platform ready for them. What was your motivation? Were you just like, I'm going to do some hot girl shit and be on TV? Like, what? what we- <laughs> Not Mel the Stallion. No, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was, I had just graduated from college and I had my first job out of college and I was, you know, sorting medical records for a law firm that um, specialized in nursing home litigation. And back in the day, they used to marathon the show like ad nauseum. Right. Um, and so it was a real world Hawaii marathon. And they played it for the whole weekend back to back. But after each marathon completed, it would, and a little ad would come on and it was like, do you have what it takes to be on the real world? Right. I was watching it back and I was like, hold on. Only one of the seven cast members is going to be a woman of color. Right. Whether it's a black woman or an Asian woman or a biracial woman or whatever it's going to be. I was like, my odds are good here. Like I could kill two birds with one stone for them. Um, (laughs) And I, you know what? I don't know what it was. I just... I just got my um, confidence on, which at the time was great and high, higher than it should have ever been. And I sent that tape and I never looked back. <laughs> That's so wild. That's so exciting. I I also wonder about like, once you're in it, sometimes I think that the best reality shows are like those where you get into that like summer camp mentality and you definitely must have to be like, in this insular world of the real world, because you're not really allowed to do shit, but like live your life with your roommates. Right. Right. So How? it's like an absurd being in a box, but where you got to be yourself, but you're also living in a weird box. Yeah. Was it hard to transition out of that once you left? 
You know, I think of the time that I did the show. So I did the show in the actual year 2000. And this was before reality TV was, um, you know, what it has currently become, where influencers go on and they are not presenting an authentic self. They're presenting their monetized self. We didn't have any of that. So we were truly ourselves. And we were truly ourselves before social media. So Yeah. I remember, like, thinking, like, okay, the big... Uh, standouts from the real world would go on like the college bar tour or yeah. maybe they do like girls gone wild and you know then you would maybe go on to the challenge but it's not anything near now so you really are going back into like your real real life right it had to be hard yeah so I I finished the show and and the thing that people need to understand is like 22 years ago you finish a show like that and you are extremely famous but you're also very broke and like that, mm-hmm. that's the piece that's so hard for people to get. So mm-hmm. you can't just go in and get a regular job because you're this person from the real world forever. Um, right. So I did go back to my little cubicle. I sure did. I started sorting medical mm-hmm. records and I just had an angel in my camp. Uh, my boss at the time who owned the firm, the partner in the firm, he was like, hold on. Were you just on TV last night? And I was like, yeah. He's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like. I was like, I'm clocked in working for you. He's like, that's unacceptable. And he shipped my car to LA and he paid my first and last month's rent. And he said, you go and make the best of this life, girl. Bye. I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, you don't, people don't get opportunities like that unless they really deserve it. That's why. Shout out to Jim Wilkes. I will always and forever love and respect that man. Um, So I went out to L.A. and, you know, I was in the grind. I did the thing and I did okay for a minute. I was in the groundlings and I ended up booking a show called Girls Behaving Badly. And it was on Oxygen Network when Oprah was still at the helm. Yeah. We went five seasons. Um, I was doing stand up. You know, I did. I did. I did some stuff. But then, you know, you, you you get into that and you're auditioning and you're auditioning and you're auditioning. And then people keep saying no. And Julie from Real World New York Homecoming had mentioned this a bit about her dance career where mm. she would get her foot in the door and people would know exactly who she is and want to take a picture right. with her and get an autograph for their children, this, that, and the other. But then she wouldn't get the job. So it's right. like you're you, but you're not hireable in an entertainment capacity. So that started to be kind of hard for me. But I also was like starting to deal with like the aftermath of what it means to actually be really famous and also not yet have processed those feelings about permanently being a 22 year old. So, um, you know, I hunkered down and I found my person and I've been quiet and minding my business this whole time. (laughs) (laughs) That's all we can hope for. You know, (laughs) that's what I want for everybody. (laughs) Find your person and mind your business. Yes. (laughs) So so when you get the phone call, who was the first person, if anybody on the cast that you were like, oh, bitch, what's going on? (laughs) Well, I, here's the thing about that phone call is, you know, filming the show itself in the original thing was psychological warfare that I was not yet aware um, was exactly that because I was an extrovert and I was really excited to be on MTV. Sure. you know, coming off of that show, you you figure some things out and you go in, deep into your private life. So when we got that call, I knew that there was an expectation that all seven would have to come. And like right. the crazy part about it is we truly genuinely did not keep in touch, you know, a text here and there or mm-hmm. a how are you here and there. But over 22 years, like I did not keep in touch with anybody like that. Sure. Um, 
So it was going to be an opportunity to, to, to revisit relationships um, that we hadn't seen since, you know, year 2000. And the crazy part about that is, you know, you watch Real World Homecoming New York and like they all really rock with each other, you know, like mm-hmm. they're at each other's weddings. They know each other's kids like it's a thing. Right. Um, we didn't have that. So I was like, you know, that could be cool. But I also I had to spend a lot of time sitting with the idea of going back. And uh, it was about a year process from the time they first contacted us about availability and whether or not we would be interested to, you know, gig time. So mm-hmm. um when I found out that everybody was signed on, I was like, because, you know, you, I was holding out hope that, that there would be somebody that's like, no, and it, <laughs> right. it could be their fault why we ain't yeah. getting this money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but then it was like, it's, it's, it's time, Melissa. And I was like, oh, so, um, you know, I found out what the pandemic protocols was because, you know, I don't be leaving my house until we have those. Shout out to uh, our strangers. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, my podcast is like a running uh, public service announcement on how to protect yourself <laughs> against COVID. Uh, <laughs> once I found out it was going to be good, you know, I said, it is what it is. I called my astrologer and I was like, talk me off this ledge. Tell me it's going to be OK. And he was like, girl, bitch, you better go on a manifest. And I did. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Um, another question that I've been thinking about is, OK, so they. Paramount Plus just aired your original season a few days ago. Kara, um, Kara, why are you bringing up old shit? <laughs> well, here was my question is, do you think it was easier to film The Homecoming knowing that that like large audience hadn't gotten their eyes back on rewatching your original season? Well, this is the thing. And this is like um, super meta behind the scenes stuff that they probably definitely don't want us talking about. So it's real nice that we don't have a publicist on the line because I can (laughs) be myself. Um, (laughs) Part of going back into it is uh, I had had kind of like the safety and and comfort zone of knowing that if you wanted to watch Real World New Orleans, you had to dig in the deepest, dark spaces on YouTube to find that show. And every now and again, those things would be taken down. So I would, I would hear about it. Melissa, I just saw your whole season on YouTube. And I'd be like, I can't wait for that thing to get DCMA. And you know, (laughs) come and go, it would disappear. And so like, I've always known that, you know, you got to be a real true super fan to, to, to be watching that. And Mm -hmm. so it was nice that it wasn't ever available. The second they called us for homecoming, I was like, Oh no. They done negotiated the situation to get the music right. rights all together. And they're going to put that show on TV. And, you know, Paramount, Viacom, that, 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 that's like network shit at any time. They own that. That could end up on regular TV. I was like, ooh, I don't know about all that. Right, yeah. um, so that was another part of my trepidation is because I also am Denzel in a way where I'm like, I'm just trying to get whole. I'm leaving here with something. So what right. <laughs> money is y'all talking about for y'all to air this old shit too? And they're like, Melissa, that's not on the table. You signed that contract long ago. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so I was scared about that. But, you know, we've been a week into it being the old stuff being aired. And it's been like truly, honestly, uh, a great social experiment in terms of like exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. I have been yeah. met with so many old clips, but the reality is people for something about that season was very formative for many, many young people. I would say anybody between ages 11 and 22 watched that show and like came away with it. And it really matters. And it's important to them. 
So I had to just let go of my anxiety about seeing, you know, little Melissa Howard with her big old class two malocclusion and her weird short hair and her awkward gait and her funny clothes. Like I just had to get over that because there's, there's a piece of that little girl that people rock with and I had to just accept it. And so it's been really cool. I, I will say it's been really cool. And my heart's been so like full and warm of people being like, you don't understand. I love that show. You had me dying this day. So, right. yeah, I mean, I was 14 in 2000 and yeah, it was a very formative season for me as well. And I think you're right. Like something about that age group is like, we have an understanding that that was you in that moment. And we're not like, nobody's going to beef with you about what you did 20 years ago on a show. Like they're just not going to give you that sort of grief. And we're able to like celebrate it as that point in our adolescence that we were just like glued to the TV watching what you guys were up to. And I think why it was so formative for like people in that age is Danny had a major part in that. So like every, every gay man in his late thirties, early forties, you know, they know who some Dan Danny from real world is. And I've tried to, in reconnecting with him, I've tried to really explain to him like, just how important his visibility, how, oh, how, yeah. how, how important it is that he lets so many young men feel seen as like, I, like, forget me. I'm talking about like what that show meant for people. And so just to be a part of that, you know what? I was like, let me respect this. Cause this is cool. This is great. This is good vibe. This is putting good shit in the world. And I'm, I'm cool yeah. with that. Absolutely. Because you know, for those of you who don't know, like he was dating somebody in the military. This was don't uh, during the don't ask, don't tell time. And so like he was blurred out when he was on the show. And I remember like, like I said, I was 14. I'm an idiot. I'm thinking I'm looking at don't ask, don't tell as like, oh, that's like progressive. And then seeing it on the show being like, oh, wow, that's like so messed up. Right. And and yeah, like I would have never known that as a girl who was living in, you know, suburban Georgia at the time. It was such a lesson. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the crazy part is like, we're thinking don't ask, don't tell as a policy in 2000 was progressive in that at least they get to be in the military, those gays, you know, and now in, 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 in hindsight and with a little bit of wisdom, we're like, yo, that was completely um exclusionary and not awesome actually yeah yeah (laughs) so yeah looking back on all this and and you know there were topics of people uh struggling with their religious identity um there were conversations about racism that i i was at the helm of as a very young person who was Mm -hmm. also just getting you know the language to be able to have you know talks like that so it it was an important time yeah, that's that's a lot of responsibility for a you know a, a girl becoming a woman in her early twenties. After yeah, because you're navigating whatever you're working with in your own personal life, and you're having to educate this whole group of people who don't know anything. Um, it, it's a lot. It's it's a whole lot, and I'm like so grateful for you guys for like to be able to have that show. It's just so formative in my life. It's such a such a treat to be able to talk to you guys. Um, talking about, I'm sure there's not a whole lot that you can say about what happens this season, but just like a quick question, selfishly, you can just say yes or no. Do you guys address Julie almost killing Veronica? And <laughs> do we know if David, aka Tokyo, has joined 
Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band because I saw the jacket and I just had some questions. Kara Berry got him lined up. Okay, she got, she said, "I'm gonna release the Kraken today." Um, <laughs> um, no, uh, the Veronica incident wasn't brought up. I, I uh, if it was, I don't recall. But also remember, this show can be edited in any which way, so it can show up in a package that we never really saw, but there we are reacting to it. But we didn't actually talk about that on the show. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was that was that was a big moment in real world road rules history. Um, and then Tokyo, who used to go by David, um, showed up in the house in his, with with a very new vibe and look. And you know what? I was actually very excited to see him because, again, we had not connected for 22 years. And oddly enough, he reached out to me via Instagram and he had one of those, you know, he didn't have his face wasn't in his picture. <laughs> there were no selfies. And for some reason, I don't know why. I just knew it was him by the letter. Right. It was just like, hey, Melissa, uh, Tokyo here. You you might have known me as David. How are you? Keep in mind, <laughs> we had not yet been approached about the show. Sure. So for me to have gotten this DM on Instagram was very strange. And my heart just stopped. I was like, hold on. I know this ain't no David from no damn real world <laughs> in my Instagram right now. Because my Instagram is also super locked down. Like, you... you I don't want to be found. You ain't going to find me. But he right. found me. Right. And I was like, whoa, wowzers. How are you? What's going on? And it was just like, you know, little messages here and there. No real reconnection. We didn't know what was going on in each other's lives. And, you know, and it just started a weird like, you know, how you do parasocial relationships. You just yeah. tap the heart every now and again so they know you're alive. Sure. Um, so when it came time for us to really start thinking about whether or not this was going to happen. I don't even think he understood the deal. I think he thought they were asking him to go on a challenge. And I was like, no, no, no. I was like, um, Tokyo, you're not getting it. I was like, baby doll there. This is a real show where, where they're going to, it's just us. It's not a challenge. And he was like, I was like, you think this is like $10,000 to like jump off a building? This ain't that. I'm like, this is real money. Well, to still jump off a building, but, um, (laughs) And he's like, what? And I had to, like, explain it to him because he is not a very online person, you know? So That's so funny. He had no concept of it. And he was like, word? I was like, yes. He's like, oh, that's different. I was like, yeah. Like, I'm stressed out. And he's like, I was like, you should be stressed out. He's like, for sure. Um, <laughs> so, and I still hadn't seen him. We did not Zoom. We did not FaceTime. None of that. Mm-hmm. So when he walks into the door for the first time in 22 years and I saw him as this fully actualized new and different person than I had left in New Orleans, it was just right. like, wow, okay, I'm rooting for everybody awkward and black. All right. <laughs> right. Um, so one time you were on here, I admitted that I thought Come On Be My Baby Tonight was inspired by you, but you debunked that. Um <laughs> I, I still have to say, why do you think that is still so funny? Because in rewatching the clip, I have to put myself in this perspective of, okay, I'm watching you guys at 14 live. So I'm thinking at like a 22 year old David, he's like adult, adult, like a real full ass adult person. Right. Yeah. But now watching this as a 36 year old, I'm like this 22 year old got an assignment 
to just talk about something on a public access. And he decided to go full R&B, the midnight hour. <laughs> it had nothing to do oh, with it. Oh, it was anything. quiet storm for sure. Yeah. <laughs> And it's truly delightful that, like, how frustrated Kelly is with the whole situation. It will never fail to make me laugh. Listen, I and I and I've been saying this because, um, you know, once you fully understand like your place in the pop culture lexicon, you know, when you're in it, you don't get it. You don't see right. it. Like, we were genuinely upset that he was going to ruin our public access TV show fake right. job. Like, we right. were not. <laughs> <laughs> on the plane, you know? So. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. In hindsight, looking at it, like I always say, come on, be my baby tonight, is really the thing that put New Orleans on the map. Like, nobody cares about real-world New Orleans unless you're really talking about come on, be my baby tonight. Because that thing, you know, had legs. It went off and did its own thing. When he appeared on the Dave Chappelle show, and Dave Chappelle actually did a skit, Mad Real World. Right. Um, previous to that, like, that was my first real understanding. Like, hold on a second. This is a thing. This is a thing, and real celebrities know right. who we are. That's crazy. And so my thing going in was like, I hope that they truly pay homage to Come On, Be My Baby Tonight. And I, and I said to him before we came, I was like, listen we're going to be opening up wounds and having conversations and whatever. And I was like, whatever your relationship is with that song in particular, you know, because that was his, that was his stuff to figure out. I was like, whatever's going to make you comfortable is what I want to do. So if you don't want me talking about that song as the iconic thing that it is, I will not do that. And I was like, but I really hope you understand and respect people's love for that thing. Like, cause he doesn't get it. He didn't get it. I I had to explain it. Yeah, I was going to ask if he really took it in, like, how, like, integral that is to, like, a pop culture head. I think he's going to get it now, because yeah. when I saw the trailer and they remixed it all ominous-like, yeah. it got the Jordan Peele treatment, and yeah. I was like, listen to me. <laughs> because we haven't seen the show yet, so, like, my right. whole thing is, how can I promote a show that I have yet to see? But then I saw the trailer, and I heard the song, and I was like, oh, okay, these people know what they're doing, because yeah. Come On Be My Baby Tonight is the eighth roommate. And as long as the eighth roommate gets some shine, I'm down with the show. Absolutely. Um, so speaking of songs, um, you actually just tweeted something I found. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. You're going to get me run off the internet. God damn it. No, 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 no. We are beehive here all day. But I thought you brought up a great point, And I think you might be absolutely correct. Because you said, well, somebody originally tweeted that the first time they heard the term bootylicious was from you on the show. And you posted a picture of Beyonce and Danny. And as a Housewives fan, I know as well that like she has referenced Kenya Moore in her songs. It would not be a stretch to think that she would have gotten that from you. Listen, I 
have run this exercise a thousand different ways. I've been sitting here again, drinking water, minding my business. I do not want to poke the hive. You know that. I know the rules right. of the internet. You don't say nothing about Beyonce ever. Right. Um, but in terms of like, you know, all of the ways in which pop culture really happens and manifests. Yeah. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. No. I know for a fact that she watched the show because Danny told me when they met that day when that photo was taken that she was shy looking at him and mm -hmm. goes I know who you are and he was like I'm sorry it doesn't matter who the hell I am you're Beyonce what what, what are you talking about and she told him that she watched the show so I'm thinking to myself Beyonce definitely knows who we are and that started like my little bootylicious thing spinning and yes, I know that I'm not the first person that ever said it. Yes, I understand that it first surfaced in a Snoop Dogg song in 1992. But for Beyonce's age group and what she was watching on television, and we know she has, you know, a general respect and interest in reality TV, it's not impossible. I'm not going to go on record and say that she did that because, you know, the hive don't play that. <laughs> but... <laughs> I am going on record as a bootylicious truther. I'm telling everybody, I won't credit you because I know you don't want that smoke. I'll just spread it myself. <laughs> yeah, but it's fascinating. It's interesting. And I think, you know, at, at, at the end of the day, when, when, I'm, when I'm long and gone and they do the oral history of Melissa, if that ain't on my Wikipedia entry page, I'm going to haunt y'all. I'll make sure of it. <laughs> I will make sure of it. No doubt about that. <laughs> so, um, moving on, I just wanted to talk about a couple of hot topics of what's happening in pop culture today. So, our first topic is going to be about Chloe. Allegedly, well, not even allegedly, she admitted to photoshopping her daughter. So, the tea is, if you guys don't know, a few months ago, there were some pictures that were posted of Chicago and who we were supposed to believe was true. This was right after the Astroworld tragedy. So, it is believed that the original per girl in that photo was actually Stormy, Kylie's daughter, but they didn't want Stormy out there. So, they decided to put True's face on top of it. So, it was very obvious to everybody once they saw these pictures that they were photoshopped and that poor True was not there. Just now, a few days ago, Chloe admitted that it's true. What, what are your thoughts on this? See, here's the thing. I don't know why anybody... Listen, if you see that it's a Photoshop, it's a Photoshop. Don't let your eyes deceive you. Don't let what they say about it... Girl, it's a Photoshop. Why are we playing right. this game? <laughs> um, and in the end, they always ultimately you know, admit that. Just like in a couple weeks from now, we're going to find out that that family has a deal with Roblox because you don't play. Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> like everything is, is transactional and we are not stupid. So, and it's fine. Also like big whoop. Obviously you want to protect the child whose father is in a big thing right now. Sure. Hey, big whoop. Why even post the picture in the first place? Was Correct. Necessary? Right. What you have so much other content. Who cares? Right. Just post another picture from Good American. Like, I know they have tens of thousands of pictures in the vault. Just post that one if you need to. If you need to post that badly, why do this? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. It's a mystery. I don't know. It's very confusing to me. What is your relationship with the Kardashians? Do you watch the show? Well, like, can I tell you their relationship with me? Yes. <laughs> Listen, my sister-in-law is watching that um, the the special that they had 
prior to, you know, their press that they were doing before the new Hulu mm-hmm. show came out. I don't watch Kardashians, but it's one of those things where it's so ubiquitous. Everything you learn about the Kardashians, you learn against your will. You know, like I see pieces of the show all day long on floating down my time. It doesn't matter. Also, if you have Instagram, your explore page will tell you that you're interested in the Kardashians. I didn't tell you that. Why are you sending me that? Right. Um, so you don't have to watch the show to understand a, a general idea of what has happened and what the storylines are because mm-hmm. they are that ubiquitous. And you know what? More power to them. She took that sex tape and she created a, a billion dollar industry. I can't even be mad at that. Um, yeah. Right. So, uh, my sister-in-law texts me frantically and is like, dude, the Kim Kardashian special. She just said she loves the real world and she really wanted to be on the real world. And like, yeah, yeah, she did say that. <laughs> there was a piece of me that was like, you mean to tell me the richest, most famous person in the world wanted to be on the show that the not richest, least famous person on the world is currently on. That's what you're telling me right now. <laughs> and then someone sent me the clip of her saying it. And I was like, man, God has jokes for real. <laughs> yeah, a real sliding doors moment. Yeah. I mean, realistically, y'all could have been on the same season and that would have been wild. Listen, I think that, and you know, Buna Murray uh, is responsible also for the Kardashians. So, sure. yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and I ain't forgot that, John Murray. I ain't forgot that. Um <laughs> Um, I think that, you know, it's really about time and place and if and when the world is ready, because when real world first came out, you know, my real world specifically survivor had just started airing as ours was airing. And so reality TV at that exact moment was taking a different turn. And it was, it was, we were on the precipice of Survivor and all of these other reality shows creating this genre as a formidable actual thing that was going to affect the world. Right. Um, On top of social media. So I just came, you know, a little bit too soon. (laughs) You know, I I, I don't have Snooki money because the timing wasn't right. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, everything's on time, you know, everything is in its own time. Um, Moving on, we have a, celebration Brittany has announced that she's pregnant are you excited about that or I'm so happy for her you know what free Brittany the 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 people have spoken she got free and and now is pregnant and you know what go girl do that and this I I mean pregnant with freedom is going to be a different ride for her so I'm so happy for her absolutely and she seems to be having a really um transparent conversation about like her past pregnancies and this is why I really appreciate your podcast and perfect strangers because like I don't have kids I don't know that life but like you and Amanda could talk about things and I'm like oh okay like I get it it's a whole other side of womanhood that like I don't experience and like to hear her talk about like I you know had depression when I was pregnant and I'm scared about that. And when I was pregnant the first two times, we weren't talking about that as women, but now I can and how great that is. And I'm happy for her. I am too. And I also am just so happy for her that she can experience it with like uh, the love and adoration that she's always had and not in her protected bubble, you know, like where she could just, you know, Brittany is just living out loud and doing her thing. And I'm so, I'm like, girl, do that. And her little man is fine. (laughs) I am so happy for her. Right. I, me too. I will post, I will double tap on any picture of her covering her little titties up with the hearts. Like, I don't, yeah. 
She's living her best life. And I'm just thrilled for her. Like, twirl around, twirl around in a crop top, girl. I love it. Baby, baby, do that. (laughs) She's an icon. Um, The last thing I want to talk about is something that's really been annoying me. Um, So there was a rumor, I'm sure all of you guys have heard it, that ASAP Rocky was cheating on Rihanna with this designer. It's come out that that's not true. This blogger had to apologize. I don't even want to say this guy's name, but he basically was like, I made the whole shit up. And to me, it's giving, remember when Jason Lee announced that the queen had died? Girl, that the, the queen had called him direct and was like, girl, I'm past. I'm out of here. I have expired. Let the people know. My, yeah, like Jason Lee, you, you and only you can hold the torch of my death. Um, <laughs> I just like I wonder what people's end game is like when you make shit up like this. What is what is your second step? I don't get it. Here's the thing, too, though. We all took this no blue check random tweet. It was 140 characters or less. And we were like, yep. That's true. That <laughs> happens. <Right. laughs> so like, we have some kind of responsibility in this too, because I had read the tweet and I immediately, I text Amanda's ass. I was like, girl, you heard. <laughs> and she was like, really? And I was like, well, it was a tweet. And she's like, you believe the tweet? I was like, yeah. <laughs> it had 15,000 retweets to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, I also feel like this keeps happening where uh, the internet is so immediate. Um, yeah. There's no, no one cares about facts. Everything is, you know, we're right back at truthiness. No one cares about facts. Everybody yeah. runs with um, whatever is posted. And also fan fiction is far more interesting than real life. So absolutely. I can yeah. see how that happens. And 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 I also feel like ASAP Rocky gets a, a, a side eye ever since he made that comment about black women and red lipstick. Like, well, yeah, the thing you do not give him a pass. <laughs> he's aggressively stupid. He's dedicated <laughs> to it, you know? And so it's not really a stretch to think that he would be, do something that stupid as to cheat on Rihanna, you know? Right. And that's something that he has to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why, why is this believable? Maybe that's right. about you. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I just find the whole thing very frustrating. And I just don't understand what people's end game would be. Because now you have to come out and say that you're not reliable. And so what does that do for your career? Right. Right. What, what benefit was that for you? I have no idea. Oh, Lord. Um, well, thank you so much. Do you want to plug when it's Imperfect Strangers coming back? Imperfect Strangers comes back Friday, April 22nd. We're back with our fifth season. Oh, Can you believe? I feel like I talked to you when we were just starting out. So this is like yeah. another milestone. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts and also hit us up on our Instagram, which is important to the podcast because it has an interactive element. So it's Imperfect Strangers underscore podcast. You can get all the latest news, the episode summaries, episode um, interactive story and all that stuff. We have a Patreon attached. You'll find it. People get in the Google and they do that. And then um, Real World Homecoming New Orleans starts April 20th. Oh, God. I will be smoking and watching um, right, right alongside yeah. y'all. Uh, and then, um, you know, follow me on my blue check Twitter account while they have, um, that blue check on there. Cause you know, they're going to take it away right after the show wraps, they're going to take it away. So it's, um, uh, Melissa RWNO on Twitter and Melissa Beck RWNO on Instagram. And there I'll be doing, you know, kind of some behind the scenes stuff and, you know, uh, reaction posts and whatnot, because I have not seen it. And, you know, it's either I'm going to be promoting the show or I ain't never heard of that show. So we'll right. see. 
<laughs> We're gonna see if those accounts still exist by the time this episode comes up. So yeah, <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you so much again. You have a great week. I'm excited for you. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. I'll come back. I'll come back when it's over, and we can, you know, yeah, deep dive. Yes, we will. Have a good one, girl. Bye, Kara. Bye.